Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Wednesday, November the 16th, 2022. What a blessing it is to be with y'all this morning. I hope that everybody is doing very well. It's a special day because it is also my sister's birthday, my sister Amanda. So, and yes, my sister is named Amanda, my wife is named Amanda, and that has made for some interesting conversations and all sorts of things. I'll tell you some stories sometimes. But anyway, happy birthday to my sister Amanda, should she come across this. Again, I welcome to you, welcome you, whether you are here live or maybe at some time later on today. I'm trying to be a little bit quieter today. I'm, I'm staying in this hotel. The night before last, I was the only human being in this place that I know of, right? Now, seriously, I can be as loud as I wanted to yesterday, but the walls are not that thick and it's 7.01 a.m. now. So I'm gonna try to be a little subdued. I hope that you will be able to hear me just fine. But where we come to today, we're, we're picking up where we left off. Yesterday, we just made it to, to verses 15 and 16 in John chapter 14 and the promise of the Holy Spirit. But along with that promise, the teaching from Jesus about what it means to really love him, okay? And as we're gonna see, we're gonna find what it means to both love him and to be loved by him later today. But it's a hard teaching, y'all. It's, it's one that, that doesn't give you the, the warm, fuzzy feelings. Jesus flat out says, if you love me, this is John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, um, that ought to be obvious, right? I mean, one would think, but in our modern day world, and, and not just in our modern day world, but in our world, um, this concept has escaped us, where somehow, some way you can love somebody, but not care about the things that they care about, not care about who they are. And see, that's the important thing to remember about the commands of God. Y'all, we, we talked about this when we've been in the Old Testament in the past, but remember what the commands of God really are. This is an important teaching, okay? And, and if you don't understand this, then God can come across as arbitrary in what he teaches and in what he commands. God can come across as even punitive, right? There are some people that have the whole wrong idea about what constitutes sin and, and, and the commands that, that God gives us. Right. You know, there's lots of ways to define sin. There's the Westminster Confession of Faith, Shorter Catechism, any transgression of or lack of conformity unto the law of God. Right. You know, I love the, the old school children's catechism. What is sin? Sin is anything that displeases God. And that's a good definition. Now, you might say, well, that's arbitrary, too, because if it's only about pleasing him, remember, God doesn't work like you and me. Right. Um, God is not subject to whims or being fickle or anything like that. God's character is sure. It is eternal. It never, ever changes. And so that points us to what the source of God's commands are. You know, the Ten Commandments, and not just those, but what Jesus is talking about here. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus is saying, if you'll love me, you'll love the things that make me, me. Because realize, y'all, when God, just take the Ten Commandments, okay? Yeah, it's a good summation, right? The best summation of the law. But nevertheless, it's not as if God was in heaven and he looked down at earth and he said, well, okay, <clears throat> let's see here. You know, I'm in a bad mood today, so let me see what I can do to mess things up for, uh, for the people down there created in my image. Let's see, it looks like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. They really love murdering each other. Mm, don't want them having too good of a time. So I'm going to say they can't murder people anymore. And let's see. Oh, lying and stealing. Man, they really enjoy doing that. I don't want them getting too carried away and having too good of a time. They need to remember their place. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Let's say that, that stealing is wrong and lying is wrong too. Y'all, that's not how God's laws work. God's laws flow out of who he is. You see, when God tells us not to murder, it's because human beings are created in his image. And it profoundly offends the father that someone would attack his image. Right? Not to mention the fact that he loves us. All of these things, right? God's law flows out of who God is. The law shows us who God is. So, of course, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do the things I tell you to do. Because the things that he tells us to do points us to his real identity. And you can't separate the two, y'all. So that's what we saw yesterday. And we left off with this promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we'll pick up today. But let me pray before we go any further. Our Father, I thank you for this time that you have given to us. And I pray that you would bless us in it. Help us to see already we've been talking about very important things about who you are and, and who we are to be. But help us to understand your word. Help us to then, and understanding it, apply it to our lives so that we would be changed people, so that we would be renewed in our desire to follow you and seek your face. So please guide us now by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So after Jesus said this, after he said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Then he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. All right. I don't know why they put 17 where they put 17. In my opinion, verse 17 should come after the Spirit of Truth, but nevertheless, not my job. They didn't ask me, but <laughs> I wasn't alive when they did it. But nevertheless, nevertheless, y'all. The follow up to Jesus here saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It, it shows us something about that command, the follow up here, because of what we know about the Holy Spirit. We know from Romans that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a sign, right? Or excuse me, as a seal guaranteeing, uh, I, I, keep, I keep messing up the wording, as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance right? When you come to know the Lord, God's Holy Spirit dwells within you. So you see, it's synonymous that knowing the Lord, belonging the Lord means loving the Lord and doing everything you can to follow the commands that he's given to you, right? You, you can't divorce the two. They always go hand in hand. If you really love Jesus, you're going to try to do what he says, not because you must, but because you may, not because you just got to or you'll lose your salvation, but instead because you've been transformed in him. And along with that transformation comes this promise. Now, we need to be careful here, okay? Remember, we've been dealing with things like this where Jesus says things to the disciples that are applicable to the disciples in time and space because he's talking about something that is going to happen for them after his crucifixion and resurrection, 
right? It works differently for you and me now. What verse 15 and 16 is not saying is that once you love Jesus enough and obey Jesus enough, then he might send your Holy Spirit to dwell within you. Not what this is saying. Read it in the context. He's talking to his disciples at the beginning of 14. He's talking about how he's going to be crucified, how he's going to be resurrected, and how he's going to go away. All right. Our reality is he is already in heaven, seated at God's right hand. Our reality is living what he promised the, the disciples would receive. Okay. He promised that the Holy Spirit was coming to them and the Holy Spirit would come to them. Right. <clears throat> he promises all these amazing things. You see, you and I pass that. There is no for you and I waiting for Jesus to be crucified and then resurrected. And then he's going to appear to us and then he's going to ascend back into heaven and then he's going to send his Holy Spirit. No, all of that stuff has already happened. So be careful how you read this. Don't read too much into the timeline of this, because there is a timeline present here regarding the Holy Spirit that does not apply to you and me. All right. We are living in this new world. <clears throat> but nevertheless, that was the promise to them. And realize what the Holy Spirit is called. The Holy Spirit is called two things in verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17. The first thing is called counselor. Now, counselor is a good translation. Other translations call the Holy Spirit things like advocate. Advocate is a little bit better translation <clears throat> depending on your use of vocabulary. I like counselor, and I'm going to tell you why. Y'all <clears throat> realize the context of what Jesus is talking about here. Here's the problem. Most of the time, when we think about a counselor, we think about somebody that you go and talk to and they help you work through feelings, right? They may help you gain coping mechanisms, all these different things. Like you go to counseling and you have a counselor. That's not the way to look at this. Now, does the Holy Spirit give us counsel, advise us, show us the way? Without a doubt, y'all, but that's just not what Jesus is talking about here. The term counselor is used in a judicial sense. It wasn't too terribly long ago that I was on a committee for the denomination, um, and we were rewriting the Book of Discipline, right? The, the chairman of that committee was a lawyer, is a lawyer still. And there was another member of that committee who was also a lawyer. And you know how they greeted each other? If you've ever watched courtroom dramas or anything, or maybe, or anything, maybe movies about this, they, hello, they, they, instead of saying hello or doctor, doctor, or anything like that, they say counselor. Another one says counselor, right? Because that's what a lawyer is. A lawyer is a counselor. This is a judicial term. Right. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So the first thing the Holy Spirit is called there by Jesus is the counselor, the one that comes alongside us, the one that advises us, the one that shows us the way. Y'all, there's an old saying about lawyers and, 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 and not having one. Right. You know, there is the option to serve as your own lawyer. But the old saying is he who serves as his own lawyer as a fool for a client. You get that? If you're being your own lawyer, fine. But your client is a fool for choosing you as your own lawyer. 
right? You need a lawyer. You need somebody to be your representative. You need somebody to tell you the things that you need to say, the way that you need to go to make it through life. That is what the Holy Spirit is first called. And then the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And that tells us something. As we consider the Holy Spirit and function, what the Holy Spirit does is come alongside us as the gift of God to guide us, to tell us which way to go, and we best listen to that counsel. But a reason for that is, right, and the ultimate reason for that is that we never have to worry about how the Holy Spirit is going to guide or lead us because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That means the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell the truth. The Holy Spirit isn't just truthful. The Spirit is truth. And y'all, a very hard reality is presented here in God's Word. If one thing is true, that means other things cannot be true. This modern-day concept of celebrate your truth Y'all, there ain't no such thing as your truth. Not really. There's the truth of perception, where if you think a certain way, technically, yeah, that's your truth. But y'all, in this world around us, there are lots of gray areas, and I'm not trying to insinuate that there aren't. However, some things are true and some things are not true. And if one thing is true, then it automatically renders things opposed to it as untrue. That's just how life works. And everybody knows that. They just don't want to say it because we're in this age of modern relativism and all this other garbage that everybody talks about, but nobody really believes. They use it as a scapegoat to do whatever they want. We have to listen to the Spirit because the Spirit is truth. Now, interestingly enough, how does the world respond to the Spirit? Again, verse 17, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. You know, this tells us something important, not only about the spirit being the spirit of truth, it tells us something about the world around us. What does it say? The world can neither see the spirit nor hear the spirit, right? Or accept him. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, if the spirit is the spirit of truth, what does this say about how the world processes truth? The world cannot accept truth because it neither sees truth nor knows truth. That can easily be substituted. Look, if the spirit is the spirit of truth, then just substitute the word him with truth in verse 17. Is that not the world around you? Y'all, truth is never the issue. We're in the age of information. My goodness, we have the corpus of human knowledge at our fingertips at all times. You got to do surgery on yourself? YouTube University, you know what I'm saying? I mean, look, you can find anything in terms of information. But have we ever lived in a time where truth is so blatantly denied? The same people, and I'm not trying to be ugly here, but the same people that tell us to trust the science, and we believe in science. It's the modern-day Apostles' Creed of hell, right? Believe the science. Love is love. The same people that tell you to believe in the science um, wanted a, a pregnant man emoji 
uh, on the iPhone. Y'all, men can't get pregnant. Come on, if you talk to an honest doctor, an honest biologist, they'll flat out tell you it. And that's not the point of this. The point of this is to show you how relevant God's word is to today. Information's not the issue. Truth is the issue. And just like it was then when Jesus said this, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept truth because it neither sees truth nor knows truth. Same thing's going on today, y'all. Same thing's going on today. You don't, listen, you don't have to wonder what's going on in the world. This is what's going on in the world. You don't have to like what's going on in the world, but you dare not scratch your head and say, what is wrong with people? This is what's wrong with people. They don't have the spirit. That's what's wrong. They don't know the truth. Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fools do and believe foolish things. That's what's going on in the world. So don't ever wonder again. Jesus flat out tells us. But y'all, there's an implication here for us. This gets down to what I preached a couple of weeks ago from 1 Thessalonians 5. If Jesus promised the Spirit to them, the disciples, and if the reality is that when we are saved, we gain the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, if the Spirit of truth who is our counselor dwells within us, we dare not quench the Spirit. We dare not avoid the Spirit. Y'all, we have to submit to the Spirit. If we're going to be different than the world around us, and the world can't accept these things and know these things and see these things, the truth, then the only thing that's really going to make us different is accepting the truth and knowing the truth and seeing the truth. That's what separates God's people from everybody else. And if you doubt that's what the world is like, y'all, come on. You know, you know, look at the world around you. A world that has accepted garbage and lies, and, and Romans 1, right, has exchanged the truth for a lie. Jesus tells us everything that's going on here, but he makes a statement, right? And this, again, is one of those timeline statements that's applicable to them. And we have to wonder, okay, what's this going on? It says, for he lives with you and will be in you. What is Jesus talking about here? Lots of ways to interpret this, he lives with you. Is Jesus talking about the presence of the Spirit that surrounds his earthly ministry while he's with the disciples? Maybe. Is Jesus simply referencing the fact that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and so while he's there with them, the Spirit lives with them? I think that's probably it. We don't exactly know, but he makes a promise to them, he will be in you. That's the reality you and I have. Okay, this is the timeline thing. Pentecost is coming. All that's taking place. The Holy Spirit dwells within you when you become a follower of Christ. All right. He continues on, verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Now, again, timeline issues here. Jesus is talking about how he's going to be crucified, how he's going to be buried, how he's going to rise again on the third day. And he makes this promise about how you're going to see me, right? He's talking about the fact that he will appear to them before he ascends back into heaven. Don't read into this other than that, right? This is not about how if you obey Jesus enough, you'll have an apparition, you'll have a dream. No, 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 no. This is a timeline specific thing to them. But what is applicable to you and me is the basic concept of belonging to Christ here. 
You want to know what Christianity really comes down to? It comes down to this. Because I live, this is the last of verse 19. Because I live, you also will live. You know, there are many ways to describe what Christianity is. There are many features that we can and should focus on and for which we ought to be thankful. But let us never miss the absolute core. And it's this. In Christ, there is life. As we saw a few weeks ago, right? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Spirit of truth, spirit of life. If you don't have the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ, you're dead, right? That's what Christianity is. You know, I don't know if you've, oh, I can't, I can't believe I can't remember the name. Oh, yeah, it's Terminator 2, right? Yeah, sorry, my Arnold Schwarzenegger um, movie knowledge database was on the fritz a second ago there. But, you know, and, and I think it's in Terminator 2. He says, come with me if you want to live. If it's not Terminator 2, somebody correct me. But nevertheless, come with me if you want to live. That's the essence of what Jesus says. Because apart from Christ, if we get the spirit of truth through Christ, apart from Christ, there is no truth. If we only get life from Christ, apart from Christ, there is only death and destruction. Christian, do you realize how much God loves you? Do you realize that he's given you his spirit as your counselor, as your guide? Do you, do you realize that he's given you truth? Do you realize that he's given you life in Christ? If so, be thankful and tell others. If you're here and you're not a believer, if you know that you don't know him, do not wait. Call me. Write me. Let's talk. If it, it doesn't have to be me, I would love to have that conversation with you, but you need to talk to somebody who will tell you the truth, who is in the spirit, right? Because you don't need to wait another minute to turn your life over to the Lord. Don't you see what you have in him? Don't you see the promises? It will only be through Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time, and I pray for all those that are here, whether live or later or whatever. I pray that you would help us to see the truth, for your tr truth dwells in those who belong to you. Father, for those that are watching this that do not know you, work in their hearts now and help them to see the world that they're living in. Help them to admit a lack of life. Help them to see the wonderful promises of Christ in you, that they would turn and believe. For those that have done that, spur us on towards faithfulness. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, I'd like to thank everybody for being a part of this time. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow morning. I'm headed back to Virginia today at noon. So we'll have church tonight at 645 if you're in the area. We're studying church history, right? We're actually watching a video tonight on John Huss. So that will be interesting. I see Denise. Good morning. And then there's Monica. I'm not so far from Monica up here in, uh, in Flat Rock, North Carolina. She's outside of try on down there um but nevertheless good morning monica and then there's becky and alice and the other becky and then there's rose and elizabeth and christine and i know others will be here blessings to y'all lord willem we'll see you tomorrow morning at seven 
Until then, have a happy Wednesday.